Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Creative Financing Lab, where Joe McCall, Mr. Pace Morby, and myself meet here each and every week to discuss creative financing. Love it's it. really an important subject. Yes. You know, most people get stopped from uh, getting involved in real estate because they think they have a money problem. And really, all they really got is just an idea problem. Yeah. So you can go ahead and solve a lot of those problems with your creativity. And inside of creative real estate investing, we call those creative ideas, we call them terms. And that's how we buy houses, by yep. using price and terms and various combinations of that. And I'm joined and get to sit here each and every week with two of the best in the business. And so uh, good morning, Joe McCall. Matt Terrio, how are you, man? Good to see you. Doing good. I just got, like I was just telling you offline, that just got back from a long vacation, Miami. five days in Miami. Yeah, and yeah. You're getting some, look like you have some sun. Yeah, my even my eyebrows like went blonde and everyone was calling me Mr. Clean the whole trip. So, <laughs> Did you have a good of, time? Yeah, no, it was fantastic. I actually just really fell in love with that city. I've been a few times, but really? for some reason, this time it was different. I've heard you either love or hate Miami. Oh, I loved it this time. It was fantastic. It was Mercedes' 50th birthday, so it was yeah, once in a lifetime ask. event. So we decided you, you to make it. You should not have said her age. I can't believe you did that. Oh, yeah. No, it's just her second 25th birthday is what we were kidding oh, about. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to tell her. I'm going to text her right now. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she is 50 and hot and proud of it. So um, we flew She's amazing. Let, those, let, let me tell you guys something here. You mm -hmm. only see Matt, right, uh, on YouTube. You don't see his wife, Mercedes. But without Mercedes, Matt would be a homeless bum on the street. This is true. And uh, broke as a rope. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> but Mercedes, it's once you get to know her, you're like, ah, that explains it, right? Because <laughs> thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Mercedes yeah. is awesome. You're cool too, Matt. But I, I couldn't be here without my wife, and she's not even doing real estate. But like, yeah, yeah. Behind cool. every strong man, there is a stronger woman, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm fortunate in that regard. Well, hey, and Pace uh, couldn't be on today because he is filming with A&D right now, their new show. <clears throat> and those of you that don't know, I know he's been talking about it. Him and Jamil are doing a new, uh, like a house flipping show uh, with A&E. I think it's A&E, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they're, yeah, they are. They're filming right now this morning. And so Pace couldn't be on. But uh, we're here. We're bringing the goods. We'll bring the goods to you. And Matt, I thought it'd be a good idea if we talked about raising private money for your creative financing deals. And you okay. are the expert at that. And uh, just yesterday, I was talking to a, I did a, uh, a live video on my YouTube channel to say, hey, it was called uh, Watch Me Make an Offer Live. Mm -hmm. And I had somebody give us a city. I, I went to Detroit. I went to older listings on Redfin. I found a deal that looked like it needed work that only an investor would want to buy. And I called the realtor up and the conversation pretty much went like this, Matt. And you hear this all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you're the fifth person that's called today. The seller, it's, it was listed for 100. I figured I needed to be at like 40. But I called the realtor anyway. And she said, the seller has rejected offers at 60 and 80. We're not accepting any low balls. And so one of the things I said to the realtor was, well, I don't know if this would work for you or not. Because he was a landlord. And um, he just wanted to get hit and he had other property. I said, uh, I don't know if this would work. Probably not. I, I kind of phrase it in the negative a little bit. I said, if I could get him that price, would he consider something like seller financing or, or maybe not? And she said, ah, maybe. 
And then I started thinking about, okay, how can I structure this? It would rent for about eight fifty, nine hundred a month, mm-hmm. and it's probably worth a hundred as a rental. If you were to really go in and fix it up, it might be worth a couple hundred because it's in a really good area that's being regentrified in Detroit. And so. I was thinking, all right, well, what if she says yes, he would do owner financing, but he wants, let's say he wanted 20% down. I thought it would be good on this podcast, Matt, to really pick your brain. Like, how do you negotiate price and terms? And let's say we agreed that I would put 20% down. Mm-hmm. Where would that money come from? Because a lot of people freak out about that and they be <clears throat> paralyzed because they don't know where am I going to get this money for that? And why would a private investor ever want to lend me money on this deal? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So maybe we could start with Matt. If you don't mind, I'd like to interview you because you're the expert at this. You're really good at this. Like, how do you negotiate price or terms? Let's say we were having this conversation and, you know, I was the realtor or whatever on this particular deal. The seller's not very motivated. They're willing to wait until they get their price. They think it's worth way more than it really is. But they might be open to some kind of creative finance. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. Put my uh, working cap back on, right? <laughs> I'm still, I just got all my listeners on. Yeah. 1 a.m. this morning from beautiful Miami. Anyway, okay, so there's kind of, there's two things that have to happen. One, if you have to, uh, as you've mentioned and used this phrase many times before, Joe, dig your well before you're thirsty, right? And so one of the consistent questions I will ask people, you got to dig your well a little bit before you're thirsty. And so anytime I'm out and about with just anywhere, like it could be a, it could be a, a bar at a restaurant. It could be at a a party at someone's house. For example, this week I was in Miami and I invited several people. So I got to meet them, but they invited some friends. So I got to meet a bunch of new people. And so just with casual conversation, and if you find there's any sort of correlation or mutual interest with regard to real estate or investing, then I'll add, there's three questions I always like to kind of pose just to, you know, test the waters to see if it's worthy of a further conversation. And the big opening question is, have you ever considered getting involved in real estate investing? And it's those specific things. And regardless of what they say, regardless of what their expanser is, or what, regardless of what their answer is, my answer is always, really, why? Hmm. And you can say really why in one million different ways. Yeah. Like it could be, they say something that you caught you off guard, go, really? Why? Or really? Why? Or really? Why? So you can say really why in different ways. So you don't have to have to know a script, but by asking that question, it opens it up. Invariably, anyone that's the right candidate for or a potential candidate for to be a private money lender for you is going to respond with, why do you ask? Right? Or what do you do? Or well, I don't know if this would make sense. And here's question number one. So that, that's the opener, what I call my opener. And then there's three questions. I, I don't know, would you be open to something like a, an 8% return on your money? And so that's that's a very broad question. It's very open, or it's, it's called a, a release statement. So you ask if they would be open. It almost gets a, a yes. Like you frequently, unless they're like a real estate investor themselves, they'll typically respond with something like, well, duh, who's and who wouldn't be? Of course, because getting an 8% or 8% return in the real world outside of what you and I do and, and what we all do here, really good. that's pretty darn rare, especially on small amounts of money. And so that's question number one, if I get a favorable response, and by the way, if I get any sort of negative response, I just check the, change the, uh, change the subject, right? Oh, wow. Did you see what LeBron did last night? It might be just go right there and just move away. But if they say, yeah, totally. Okay, great. So I'm just curious. I mean, what type of money would you have available for that type of return? And then regardless, they could say 5,000, they could say 5 million. 
And regardless of what the answer is, you just respond with like, like, it's no big deal. You do this every day. So if they say, yeah, I got a million dollars, I'm looking to place it right away. Don't let your fangs start showing and the, and the drool start dripping from your yeah. teeth and you're ready to pounce on them because they'll feel it and they'll pull away. Repeat and that second question again. I'm, I'm writing this. Yeah. Down. So it's um, first one was, would you be open to a 10% return on your money? Second one is what type of money would you have for that type of investment or how much money would you have for that type of investment? Okay. And then the third one is, I want to get permission to call them. I'm not going to try and close the deal right now. I'm not going to ask them for money. And kind of what, what you had said when you were talking to your real estate agent, you kind of go negative a little bit. It's, you know what, Joe, I don't have anything like that right now, but you know, deals fall into my lap every single day. When that next one does, would it make sense for me to give you a call to share it with you? Mm -hmm. So that would it make sense? So would you be open to almost always gets a positive response and would it make sense? Almost always gets a positive response, particularly yep. if you follow it with a no brainer question. Yeah. And so there I just then I just kind of keep a mental Rolodex. So I left with two people that said, yeah, give me a call. So now I've got those two people I can call with my next deal. So that's kind of step one. I'm always doing that. Okay. Yeah. Let me just repeat that because I think it's important. For, and I'm trying to write feverishly on my iPad because this is so good. Dig your well before you're thirsty, right? If you're if you wait until you have a deal before you need the money, you're going to get into panic mode and it's going to get really hard. Anytime you're talking to a private investor and you're in desperation mode, they can smell that from a mile away and it's going to kill the deal. So you need to start building these relationships with private investors and just tell everybody what you do that you talk to what you do. The other thing I was thinking about, um, a really good book is called Getting the Money by uh, Susan uh, Lyons, right? L-Y-O-N-S, Susan. And she has a really good question in there or phrase of what you say when you are talking to people. And it goes something to the effect of like when they ask you, what do you do? You say something along the lines, and this is similar to what you just said, something along the lines of, well, I, I'm in real estate and I invest other people's money and I give them consistent, solid, safe 8% returns secured by real estate or something like that, right? But you, you phrase what you do in terms of you invest people's money into safe, secured real estate deals, right? Mm. Simple as that. And then um, they start asking you a little bit more about what you do. You would ask them, I'm repeating your question here. Would you be open to an 8% return on your money? And then the other, if they say yes, how much money would you have to invest if I could get you those returns? Right. And then uh, go a little negative in, in terms of negative phrasing. You don't want to be, again, this is push versus pull. You got to be so careful with this because you want to pull them to you, not chase them. And the harder you chase a seller or a private investor, especially a private investor, the harder you chase them, the faster they'll run. And so you have to make them want to come to you. Don't sound desperate. Don't sound needy. I'm telling you guys, this works so well. And I got a story to tell you after I tell you this third question. So I don't have anything available right now, but would it make sense for me to call you if something like that became available later, right? Yep. Right when they gave up their money on that second question, they told said like, their cheeks were clinching a little bit, right? They're like, uh-oh, here comes the the bomb is about to drop and he's going to ask me for money. Yeah. And then when I was like, oh, cool, that's interesting. Super. Yep. So I don't really have anything like that right now. Actually, my friend and Joe and I are, are working on it right now. And uh, if something comes up, would it make sense for me to give you a call? Mm -hmm. And just, this isn't the right time to talk about this anyway. Like mm -hmm. I just totally, you know, suppress the whole thing and make them feel all comfortable again. And now it I'm takes, cool. It takes the pressure off, right? Totally, totally. I was going to tell you a story of a guy I know. He's funny. I think you might know him, but I won't say his name. He used to go to the most expensive just say um, his name. No, I'll tell you later. <laughs> he used to go to the most expensive areas of town, wherever he was at, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he would go to the local Starbucks or the local coffee shops there, like in the business areas where a lot of successful people were. 
And he would pretend to be talking to other investors about his deals on the phone. And he's loud anyway. So he would talk about, yeah, we just finished this deal. You know, yeah, we made like a hundred grand profit on it. He would never lie. He was always talking about real deals. Okay. That's important. But like he would say, yeah, our investors, we got them like 8% on their money. It was all secured by real estate. It was all great. Yeah. They loved it. They're super excited. And he would talk about his deals on the phone obnoxiously so other people could hear him. And he would mm -hmm. talk specifically mention his investors and the returns that he was giving them. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said, inevitably, there would be somebody that would leave and give them their business card as they were walking out of the coffee shop, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just the whole point of that is, you know, be genuine, be yourself, but talk about what you do, right? Yeah, I love that. I'm guilty of that several times before, especially when the, when the phone rings at an opportune time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, I, normally it's like, don't be that guy, but be that guy. Right. It's yeah. You can't keep what you do with secrets. Yeah. If you're trying to figure out how to find private money privately, you're going to be looking for a long time because it's a people business. Every piece of real estate you buy or sell is going to be from or to another person. Every ounce of money that you're going to borrow is going to be from or to another person. So now, Matt, a beginner is going to say, but you know, I don't have any experience, right? I don't have any deals mm -hmm. under my tool belt. What if they ask me, you know, how many deals have you done or something like that? Right. So those types of questions, I see maybe a couple of them come up here. I haven't read them in detail yet. But you have to be really careful with these hypothetical scenarios that get stuck in your brain and they stop you from taking action because mm -hmm. it hasn't even happened yet and you're just anticipating it. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if you are anticipating and you are fearing that your disposition, your body language, your speaking patterns, just the, the tone of your voice is going to elicit those types of questions. So be really, really careful that you don't project that onto your situation because I'm telling you, you are asking questions from a place of a bunch of people that are watching a live stream on creative financing, right? And the rest of the world has no clue as to what we're even doing, right? They, they just want, they want to put their money somewhere. So understand that you bring the value to the table to those people. The money is the commodity. The deal is where all the value is. So yeah. don't go in fearing that you like your, your mindset is I'm a guy. Now I have to go ask for a loan from somebody. No, now I got to go give somebody an opportunity. That's such a great point. Because this is this is a big deal, what I've just done here. I've been able to generate and beat Wall Street returns with the deal that I have under contract right now. So with a property that's secured with a note yeah. that's secured by real estate. 100%. It's a big deal. What you're offering to somebody is something they cannot find on their own or most likely won't. Mm -hmm. And so you have this position of, it's like a mental shift you need to have of being, I, you're lucky to have me talking to you right now about this opportunity. And it's yeah. okay. You know, so you remove yourself from the outcome. You say, listen, it's okay if this isn't for you because I got 100 other people that I know are dying for this, right? Mm -hmm. You having that mentality and, and you related to what you were just saying, you've got to be careful with anticipatory thinking. Anticipatory thinking will kill your business. All these what ifs, what if that happened? Maybe what if they say this, that, that, that you'll get stuck and you'll never get out of that rut as long as you're in that anticipatory thinking. So um, yep. just be Essentially what you're doing is you're negotiating against yourself when yeah. you're thinking like that. Like you're, you're teaming up on yourself yep. before you even get to talk to the seller. Yep. Right. So you don't want to put the seller in your shoes. You want to put yourself in the seller's shoes or. The okay. Lender. So sometimes I do tell people like if they are concerned, well, what if they, what if they know I don't have any experience? This is when it's important to have a coach or a mentor on your side. Right. Because 
um, it, it could be local or it could be someone like me and Matt who coach people all over the country or pace. But like, it's important to have somebody that you can rely on or lean on for that experience, right? Because you can say, me and my business partner, we've been doing deals for years and years. And that's all you have to say, mm-hmm. right? Okay, cool. All right. So th- that's kind of part one. Yeah. Now, when it comes to, I guess this is a perfect segue to go into the experience part of it. The experience, if you have a deal under contract that you can demonstrate how it's going to pay you and the per- other people that are involved, that's enough experience that all people need. So the four questions that every lender has in their mind, be- and whether they know they have these questions or not, they're there. They, go- they want to know how much do you need? How much am I getting back? When am I getting it back? And what happens if everything goes wrong? So those are the four questions. They want to know how much you need, how much am I getting back, when am I going to get it back, and then uh, how am I protected if things go south? So when you're presenting your opportunity to your lender, you want to answer those four questions in that presentation. So you want to answer them and address them before they're even asked. Very good, yeah. Because if you get yourself on a bunch of these little questions, and all of a sudden you're on the heel, your heels, and you, it's very easy to slip into you trying to convince them rather than them trying to convince you to take their money. Mm-hmm. And that's a big paradigm shift that a lot of people don't get until all of a sudden you found you've got a few deals under your belt. And my gosh, I'm getting 12%, 15% cash on cash returns. I'm getting principal only payments accepted. I'm getting stuff with uh, subject twos with the loan is already 15 year season. And now we're going to be buying down the principal. Like you are bringing amazing opportunities to people. And now you can start shopping. You can say, hey, remember we, we talked in, in Miami and you said it would make sense for you to, to give you a call. I just want you to know that something came up. It looks like it might be a little better than what we thought. Would it still make sense for us to get together? I, I wanted to call you first because you're kind of the last person I talked to, but um, I've got a few other people, but I just wanted to present it to you first. Would it still make sense for us to get together? And so there's, there, that's your pitch, but that's your positioning more is what I was trying to demonstrate is that I got other people. You said it would make sense. I'm calling you. This looks like it's going to be a little bit better than it was before. I always like to say that. So I like to like, if I say, would you be open to a 7% or 8% return? I'm going to call them when I can give them a nine or 10% return because you know, we're at the pool, had a few drinks, everyone's kind of loose, but I need to re-excite them and kind of drop down at a little bit of an extra return. I got one, it's actually better than normal. Um, Would it make sense for us to get together still? Yeah, uh, these are great nuggets. What's up, Maria? Uh, I love it, we're getting some comments in here. That's a great response, guys. Edwin is saying, let's go, let's do this. Okay, cool. So um, what are, how do you answer those questions? You know, you're- Okay, perfect. So let's go ahead and take your deal, Joe. Yes. So these are just the notes I was writing down as you were going over your deal, Joe. So the value was 100K? Yeah, the value was 100K as a um, as a rental, 200K if it was all fixed up. It's kind of in this weird area. Okay, and then the seller was asking what? 100. 100, okay, cool. So these are always like, when people, when my students bring a, a deal to me and they want me to help them analyze it, you know, it's it's normal to come with a big giant story as to like, well, it's a cute little lady, it's a corner lot, it's in a really nice neighborhood in a great school district, and the crime report wasn't too bad, and you know this would be a great house for a new new home buyer and da, da, whatever. Like, I don't care about any of that story when we're first analyzing. I need to know what are they asking, what's the value of the house, what will it rent for, and what are the repairs needed to make sure that we can get this rent? So, Joe, do we have any any repairs or rehab in here? Let's put ten grand for rehab. It's okay. just cosmetics, lipstick, paint. Okay, cool. So now, what I want to do is, when I'm looking at this deal, I want to see is there. I want to answer two questions right off the bat before I give it a bunch of my time. Is there equity, and will it cash flow? So, as we can see right here, 
Joe says there might be $200 value if they were gonna, someone's gonna live in it. I like to work really, really conservatively. So I'm just gonna say the 100K value, like he said, as a rental. The seller wants asking, so th I don't think there's any more to evaluate it more than that, but there's not any equity here, most likely. Maybe somewhere down the road, but right now I'm not gonna even factor equity here because I'm not even gonna try and flip this property. The, the realtor did say, if you uh, did clean it up a little bit, you could get rent of 950 to 1,000. Okay, perfect. With that said, and I'm glad you brought that up, I'm gonna go with the 850. Because if you start analyzing your deals with like, if I get 900, then it'll be a good deal, but at 850 is not a good deal. Or if I can make this happen, or if I can find just the right tenant, right the right property manager, or if I added, spruced up the kitchen a little bit, I could get a little more. When you start ifing it so much, your deals, you start building in a lot of unnecessary risk and start creating a bunch of scenarios to where you could actually end up losing. And I don't wanna lose. So this is kind of where I go. Now, if I look at this 850, so I got 850, I am going to multiply that by 12. That's going to give me my annual gross rent. What I'm going to do for my quick and dirty math, I will confirm this later after I'm in contract, but I'm not going to waste a bunch of time doing that right now. I'm going to multiply this by 60%. So that gives me 6120. So what I just did is I took 40% off of the gross rent and I just kind of allocated that again, for quick and dirty math, for taxes, insurance, maintenance, vacancy, and property management, okay? So this is kind of what I could probably count on to receive after all the bills are paid. But that would be just a straight deal here. So that would be, our net rent would be 620. This is our, I guess, our net operating income, right? So there's that. And that's if I just did a straight deal for 100,000. So if I wanted to look at that, 6120 divided by 100,000, actually, let me do it divided by 110,000 because of the repairs. 6120 divided by. So just as it is without leverage, I'm going to get a five and a half uh, percent return. Are you, cash what, on cash. what do you think of that number, Matt? Is that good or bad? Well, if we're going to, since we're on the subject of talking private money, I actually don't like that number at all because this 5%, I need to see how much of this I'm willing to share with my private money person when I bring them this opportunity. So I already know as an all-cash deal, 5.5%, um, I don't even know if I'd be too excited about that number for myself. There'd be have to have to be some other variables about the house, like is it in a really good neighborhood? Is there potential on the upside? Do I really need the cash flow right now? Or is this just something another little trophy to add to my portfolio? Those are the types of things that I would be looking at if I wanted to uh, lower my standards a little bit on the cash on cash return. But I like to get between 10 to 15% because if I can get 10 to 15%, that there's enough there. Say if it was a 15%, I know I can actually pay that private money lender now 7 or 8% and keep the 7 or 8% for myself. Now I like that deal, okay? But I know I need leverage, it, it, but it is an all cash deal and you didn't want, maybe I could refinance it later and help and do that, but not too excited about this so far. Now, if we were gonna do 20% down as Joe had said, right? So now we're gonna put 20K down and we're gonna have to have 80,000 is gonna be, would be seller carry back, right? So now I gotta figure out what are my terms? What are my payments here on this 80,000? Cause that's gonna have a huge impact on my ROI. So if we just did something, let's do something just very, very traditional. And I'll just show you something I do all the time here. So let me, um, I'm just gonna type in amortization calculator. Maybe you can zoom in a little bit on your computer. Oh, really? You can't see it? Well, it's small. I'm just, we can see it. Okay. It's, small. it's all okay, right, don't worry about it. Don't all worry. right, so I like to skip the ads because I know they're paying for those, so I'll be a nice guy and not make them pay for it. But I'll just go to the first one that's not an ad. And this is kind of the one that always comes up at bank rate. So I just come in and I'll put in 
80,000. I'll just do a traditional 30 year just to kind of get me in the ballpark to see what I'm working with. And so 360 months, right? And then there's the interest rate. So if I calculated this there, it's a $405 monthly payment. So if I go back over here to, oops, stop the screen share. And then I come back over here to this guy here. All right. So that was a, what was that? $450 payment? Is that what I said? Yeah. 405. Yes. Okay. So it's 405. So 405 times 12 is 4860. So now here's my net operating income. I got to take my debt service out of this. So I've got 6120 minus 4860. So that gives me 1260, which I call CADS, cash after debt service. Okay. So now I'm going to take this 1260. I'm going to divide that by how much I had to put down. Okay. But I also got this repair over here. So it's going to be divided by 30K. See, at that four, what was that, a four and a half percent rate? We are down to a 4.2% cash on cash return. And I knew that was going to happen just because right off the bat, I was looking for my 1% rule. So you can see that this 850 is less than 1% of the value of the house. So right. what that means is the 1% rule is typically when you buy a $100,000 house, you want it to rent for at least $1,000 a month, right? Mm -hmm. That would make all the difference in the world right now in this deal if it did. So I was I didn't have high hopes for this right off the bat. So I already knew that doing something like a traditional 30-year fixed mortgage with 4.5%, this probably isn't going to be that great of a deal either. So now I got to get the seller to really accept something creative. So I could offer him, so that was a $405 payment. I could say, you know what, would it be cool if I just gave you 20K down and paid you $400,000 until the balance was, or excuse me, $400 a month until the balance was paid off? That is awesome. Did you guys hear what he just said? He's offering to pay them a certain amount until the balance is paid off, which is what? Principal only payments. And this is where the magic happens. And you'll be shocked. You may say, oh, a seller would never accept that. Oh, yeah, they, they will. It all the time. Yeah, they yeah, will. Right? So, so my cash on cash return would still probably not change too much, right? It'd still be about 4% 4, 4 cash on cash return. But when you're looking at all of the different profit centers, so when you've got all the different profit centers, you've got cash flow, you've got appreciation, then you've got the depreciation and the deductions, and then you've got the amortization. So these are all parts of over here that you're going to earn a return. So this right here, that 4.2% is just the profit that you make right here. Now, depreciation over the first year, that might be somewhere, it would be small initially. So one to 2%, somewhere in there. Amortization on a long-term loan is typically pretty small as well. The amortization is the paying down of the debt. But the big distinction here is if I'm paying 4.5% interest, those first 15 years, I'm paying majority interest, I'm paying down the debt very minimally. So this buy-down might be somewhere between 1% and 3%. It's really, really small. And then the appreciation, that's just the icing on the cake. So if we averaged like a 2.5% appreciation right there. So when you're looking at all of, all of these, you know, you'd add traditionally add all of these up. So let's say I just went 2, 3, 5, 6, 7, 11%, maybe 12% total return, total yield on this deal. But since I offered $400 a month until my balance was paid off, this 80,000, there is no interest rate. So that $400 a month that I'm paying, this $4,860, that's a 100% principal pay down. So that changes everything right here in the amortization quadrant. So I would take that off and I'll take the 486, divide that by the 30K that I have going in there, right? Because that's a that's full profit now. It might not be cash flow profit, but it is full profit. This is the, uh, how you build your wealth. So four eight six zero divided by thirty thousand. Okay, now I got 
16%, right? So that's 16% on my amortization quadrant. So essentially now this deal pays me a 20% return. Now I know how much I can share with the private money lender when I go to present this. So they said they'd be open to 8%. You know what? I just, something just came up. Joe and I have been putting this deal together and it's actually performing a little bit better than how we'd normally see. And so I don't know, would it still make sense if, if this one paid a 9%, would it make sense for us to get together? I'll show you how it works. And that's it. Yeah. Okay. So now I know how much my deal can pay and how much is going to be left over from me. And so now we can structure that deal as, as um, okay, you get the cash flow, I keep the, the, the uh, amortization or, you know what, I keep the cash flow to manage the property. We'll split the amortization once we get there, once we're going to go ahead and realize that. But I really like that amortization because, and is one of my students, Corey Kendig, that, that really turned me on to this. And I mean, it was my strategy. He just told me how to use it better and, and really do well for himself where he purchased all of his properties this way. Every single one, this would be his initial offer. I'll give you 10 grand and 500 bucks a month for the next 10 years. And that would be like his thing. So after three, four, five years, that principal pay down combined with the appreciation, he would then go refinance that money out through, through a very traditional loan. And we did all of those loans for him. So that's how I know this is what happened. So I saw a $500,000 check, a $700,000 check, and then an $800,000 check all go to Corey. So he got all of that cash and it was all tax free mm -hmm. because it was a loan. He didn't have to sell his property. And so he leveraged each property just enough conventionally to where they would still cash flow, right? So his, his um, cash flow is still coming in. The, the debt that he used to buy those properties is still less than what he's making off those properties, but he got to pull a bunch of cash off the table and go buy more properties with it. Now he did go buy a Lamborghini, but he did buy some more properties as well. So that's, that's how you do it. And now when you present it to the, to the person, it's like, uh, okay, so I have this house. It's, it's probably valued about a hundred thousand. That's pretty much what we're going to pay the seller is a hundred thousand. It needs about 10 K repair. And so I'm going to need, but they're going to, they're going to carry back 80. So I'm going to need about 30 and, uh, I'm going to ask for 35. I always like to ask for more than what I actually need because these deals don't find themselves for free. And don't be shy about asking for that. If they want you to bring more deals, you got to spend more money on marketing to bring them more deals. So that's how I, I do that. Learn that from good Mitch Stevens. That's a great response. And I've never had a, a pushback from that Say at all. Say that again, Matt. Yeah. So um, if you only need 30, Joe, why are you asking me for 35? That might be what the lender asks. Okay. Well, you know, Matt, the, these deals don't find themselves for free. So I need to go out and find more deals. So I have to replenish my marketing costs. <laughs> these, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. Okay. So I'm presenting like, I'm going to need $35,000. And then this deal right here, based off all of our uh, profit center is going to pay about, I don't know, as I said, 20%. We'll just leave it there about 20%. And so we have a couple options. I don't know if you need the cash flow right now. Um, I would really appreciate that because it's going to help me operate and manage the building so you won't have to do anything. And then um, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and we'll split the equity that we're building each and every month. So combined with the principal pay down and combined with the appreciation, when we go ahead and we resell or I refinance, I'll split that with you. And we'll just put that on the note as deferred interest. Okay. So they're not a partner. They're a lender still. That was, that was kind of a key thing there. So I'm going to pay their loan is going to be as deferred interest when I sell or refinance. And then, uh, you know, and the, the market's really hot right now. It looks good, but we always know that could go south. And if it does, then we'll just sit here and we'll cash flow it until the market comes back. And so that's how they're, they're protected, right? It's, it's real estate. It's a, 
it's more protection here than you got in the stock market. Yeah, excellent. If they, don't get it, they don't like it and they're freaked out, call somebody else. Really, you're not in the business of convincing people. You don't want to be in the business of convincing people when it comes to borrowing people's money. Because if things go wrong, all fingers are going to be pointed to you. So you want to constantly have these planting your, your or excuse me, what are you, digging your well before you're thirsty conversations over and over and over again. So you're not limited to just one person. Yeah. And you're not going to need a bunch of those people. You might get a rejection here or there, but- Based on this, where else can someone take $35,000 and invest it and get an 8% return? There's no place that the average person can do that. Not predictably and not this, not this securely. Very good. Let's talk about a little bit more detail here about the uh, how that private investor is, is protected, okay? Because you're, you're putting the seller in first position and you're putting this, the private investor in second position. Now, by the way, it doesn't have to be that way, right? You could, as part of the negotiating, you could say to the seller, I'll give you that price you want, but you know, let's say they want $50,000 down, right? You could say, I can get you 50 grand down, but my private investor is gonna have to be in first position, you have to be in second position. And there's a better way to phrase that maybe, but like, all right, so let's say though on this deal, I'm borrowing what, 35 grand from the private, private investor, mm -hmm. but the seller is in first position, that, Private investor at second position is still going to be at 100% loan to value almost, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody's going to be asking Matt, well, how are they protected in case the deal goes bad? What right. You say? So I'll say, uh, good question, Joe. The, the way that you're protect protected is the exact same way banks are protected. If something, God forbid, were to happen and I became you know, insolvent and couldn't participate in this deal anymore and you were left with it, you could easily foreclose on me just the way a bank would. And now you have this cash flowing asset in place with principal only payments. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam, you can even make it easier. Like you can put, can't you put it in your agreement that says you don't even have to foreclose on me. We'll just oh, yeah, write totally. in here a special totally. uh, addendum or amendment or something that says if I default, you automatically can just take over this, my position in this property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another, I mean, I don't get that question too often anymore, but. It would be, you know what, if you want to, I'm not, there's no chance in hell I'm letting this deal fall with $400 principal only payments. This is a golden goose for me. So, but if it happens, then this is how you're protected. You could just foreclose on me. And now this golden goose lays in your lap, but it's okay, Joe, if you want to sit this one out and just watch how it goes and yeah. plays out for the next private lender, I, I'd be happy to, to go ahead and keep you informed as the, how it works. Take it away. Pull it totally. away. Totally. I don't need them. They need me. Right. And if you're approaching it as, as you need them, then that's exactly how they're going to feel. And that's going to negotiate. Like, well, wait a minute. I want a personal guarantee or no, I want 12% or I want half of the cash flow too. And you're like, sorry, that's not how this deal works. Right. Uh, if you would just want to stand by and watch on, on the sidelines and I'll go ahead and share it with the next person. Um, I just wanted to let extend this opportunity to you because I know we just met in Miami and, you know, I don't want you to forget yeah. about me. And we had a really good time. So I thought I'd just present it to you first. If not, that's cool. It's perfectly OK with me. <laughs> Move on. Oh, we don't know. We don't want to know what you did in Miami. Yeah. yeah. Well, we bonded. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I thought it'd be cool if I showed you guys something. Um, yes, there is a tool that I some of these questions real quick. Just oh, keep yeah, it yeah, please. before we change the subject. Yeah. Yeah. So. How do you do this? Oh, you uh, I'll do this first one. How about this sure. from Maria? Uh, Matt, do you have a chart of steps on how to go with this strategy? Oh, I know you do. Yeah, I, probably not well, all in one spot. Yeah, yeah. But really, there's just kind of really two steps with it, right? One is you're always digging your well before you're thirsty. And you, so you're just always having that conversation. And you can keep a mental Rolodex or you just come home and write, say, 
Oh, I talked to Joe at the pool today. Joe says he's open to an 8% return and he has $50,000 sitting on the side looking to put it somewhere. And I can just set that somewhere and be done with it. And I can start slowly building on just a little spreadsheet on, on my uh, um, browser. Right. So that's that's one thing I'm always doing. Second thing is now you're just finding deals and you just have to figure out how much your deals pay you. That's it. Right. So once you know how much your deals pay you, now you know how now you go back to your list. OK, so I need one hundred thousand. And so who offered one hundred thousand and they were open to the lowest rate for that hundred thousand dollars. And I just call that person. Hey, remember, we talked and you said it makes sense to call you. Something came up. Does it still make sense to get together? That's it. So that's really the whole process. Hmm. Well, how can you how, how can people get your program, Matt, too? Because you do teach this in, in your in one of your classes. Yeah, I guess epicbreakthrough.com is the best way to enter my world right now. We're doing a bunch of restructuring. So hopefully within the next week and a half or so, there'll be like a direct access for a lot of these types of things. So thank you, Maria. I'm going to make a note of that and put that together. And then, uh, of course, there's always the. Uh, well, look at this channel. If I go to YouTube playlist here real quickly. If you also go to Creative Financing Lab, Matt and I did a course together about a year ago, and you can get you the go. recordings to that. I've been meaning to update that website to point to this podcast here, but I just haven't done it yet. Matt and I did a course together. It was a case study called Creative Financing Lab. Was it a year ago, Matt? It's getting oh, close, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. He taught everything about owner financing subject to raising private money. I taught everything about marketing and lease options. It was a great class we did together. Go check that out at creativefinancinglab.com. But also, Matt, you have a ton of really good um, YouTube videos, guys. I know I, just, I know I have it on a playlist on how to raise private money. That's I am very jealous of Matt's YouTube channel. Um, so is Pace. How come? Because you have such good content and, oh. and, and how you do it without, it sounds like you're so professional. It sounds like scripted, like you're reading from a teleprompter or something. Yep. No, that's just naturally how I talk. I have this great gift for Gab and I remember everything and I internalize everything. But I do have something to show that is related to this. If Go you, ahead. If, I'm if still looking for this thing. All right. While you're looking at that, I want to show yeah, you guys something cool. And I do get an affiliate link from this. This is a program called Deal Check. If you go to joemccall.com slash deal check, it's like nothing. It's only like seven or 12 bucks a month for this software, but I'm going to show it to you because I have fallen in love with this thing. And um, it's simply amazing. It's called Deal Check. And I'm going to share my screen right here, turn this banner off. Again, if you go to joemccall.com slash deal check. And so this was the property right here that I was making an offer on. I was talking to the realtor yesterday and it's um, in Detroit. I found this deal. Let me just show you how I found this deal. I, I went into um, 100 to 200 grand. I didn't want super cheap. I didn't want real expensive houses only. Um, and then for sale, I did more than 60 days. So it's been on the market over 60 days. And I sorted this by price. And this was the cheapest house that came on there. And then if you look at it, you can tell there's not many interior photos, right? But it looks like a nice house. And it's in a great area, actually. There is only one little tiny interior photo of a bathroom that looks like it's green tile, maybe outdated, and an outdated kitchen. Come to find out the reason why there's no pictures is because there's a tenant in there. I called the realtor, you know, the market. And let me just show you the street view of this neighborhood so you can kind of see where we're at. For some reason, it's grayed out. By the way, if you're driving for dollars, does this look like a good driving for dollars deal? All right, anyway, oh, this is a great neighborhood. Look at the street, okay? So some of these homes that have been fixed up are selling for 200 grand, 200 to 300 grand if they've been fixed up. But if they're if they're in bad shape, they're only worth 50 to 100 because they need so much work. All right, so anyway, there is this program called Deal Check. 
And you can get it for 10 to 20 bucks a month if you pay annually, $0 if it's free, but you don't get all of these extra things, okay? But let me show you why I like this so much because it helps you analyze deals. Check out these reports. So I'm gonna go right here to add property. I'm gonna import property data. And I copied that address in here. I'm going to put it right there search. And what it does is it goes and searches for the property in Zillow, pulls it up. It's a four bedroom, one bath, 1500 square foot, built in 1926, detached garage, et cetera, et cetera. Gives you the Zillow's estimate, um, realtor estimate, the rent cast estimate. Their rent estimate is 1356. Let's just go with the Zillow estimate for rent and I can adjust it and change it later. Tax assessed value. I don't know what, it doesn't sound right, but cool. All right. Then there's some pictures in here that it's bringing over from Zillow. I'm going to click import and customize. It imports the property in. So I'm going to say the after repair value is 100 grand. We're going to we're going to use financing yes or no. And this is where you can put in there like let's say you are financing it, okay? So let's say it's 20% down, you're getting 5% interest for 30 years. We can adjust this later. PMI finance rehab costs if you wanted to do that. Purchase costs, any rehab costs, we'll just do a 10,000. You can itemize that if you want. You can do overruns if you want. Gross rents, I think we did 850, is that right? Mm, yep. Uh, you can figure vacancies here. Let's do 10%. Other operating expenses, since we already have 10% here for vacancies, let's make this, I don't know, let's make it 40% just to be safe. Under promise, over deliver. Okay, appreciation 3%, income increase 2 expense 2 selling costs, when and if you will sell it, 6%. Depreciation period, 27 and a half years. All right. So now we're going to scroll up and we're going to do buy and hold projections here. And this is just a table that gives you all of the, the numbers. And I'll, I'll walk through that next. But let's go back here to property analysis. And if we finance, like we showed before, our cash flow is going to be negative. Cash on cash return is going to be negative because we're, you know, the, the payments are pretty high. We're going to need 33 grand in cash. And if we scroll down, the gross rent is that. We take out vacancies and operating expenses. We're at about 50%, which might be a little expensive. I mean, maybe we can lower this down a little bit. So we just go up here to edit property. I'm going to scroll down to operating expenses. Let's do 30%. Because again, yep. we're doing already 10% for vacancies. Exactly. Okay? And then let's go back up, property analysis. Okay, now we've got 81 cash flow, 6.1% cap rate, 2.9% cash on cash return. Not that great, but you know, it is cash flow. But the cost of money here for borrowing it at 5% may not make that this that great of a deal. But you can see here, we're, we're, we're net cash flow about $80 a month approximately. But our return on equity, return on investment, not that great. Cap rate, not that great. Cash on cash, pretty bad. I mean, I like to see personally 8 to 10% cash on cash return. And here you can have your purchase criteria. You can have different criteria. So this passes a 50% rule, but it fails a 1% rule. The cash flow is less than 100 bucks and the cash on cash return is less than 8%. So you can change this criteria if you want to um, you know, different things cap, you know, cash on cash returns, at least you can change that number. The cool thing about this is you can set this up where it actually will tell you what to offer on the property based on whatever your criteria is. And I'll show that to you later. Um, so let's go back here. Uh, here's buy and hold projections. And, and we're going to adjust the financing here for principal only payments in just a second. All right, so you can see our cash flow kind of grows over time. Here's our tax benefits and deductions, operating expenses, depreciation, loan interest. These are our deductions. This is our equity accumulation. Sale analysis, if we sell it, we're going to break even on year five, total profit maybe. Here's our investment returns. All right, now, what if we, oh, and there's, well, there's so many things I could show you here. This is so cool. If I scroll down here, you can see they have a sales comps ops, uh, a thing here where you can look at comps and include which comps to put into the report. 
so you could choose not to do that 28 grand, not to do this one, keep that one, not this one, keep that one, take that one out, take that one out, keep that one. See, there's some cheaper properties here, but there's some nicer ones too. 109, let's take them out. All right, so I kept can, all the- Can you um, adjust the, the parameters for your comps? I don't know. You can sort it by distance and date yeah. sold, Got it. but then just choose the ones you want. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay. Um, so we're going to keep those. And then you can also look at rental comps. You click that and it gives you, I don't know where it gets these, but it pulls them probably from rentals on Zillow in the past and currently. And so we'll, we'll take out the real nice expensive ones and the really cheap ones. This is something that goes into the report that we're going to give to our investors or our private lenders. And we'll remove the 6,200 a month. Okay. Cool. Then records and listings I want to look up. Let's look at the offer calculator here. And this is where you can figure out, well, if I'm going to make, if I'm limited by, if I'm limiting my offer based on my cash on cash return, then the most I can offer is 76 for this property. And this is where you can adjust what your offers are based on your cash on cash return or your cash flow, or your 50% rule. And then if you wanted to, you could click save the new price and it'll change the purchase price to 76 grand in your report. But this just tells you based on my limited cash on cash return, it's 76. If I removed that, now my highest offer is 89,000 based on the 1% rule. Does that make sense? Yep. All right. So if I wanted to, I could click save new price and it, it adjust that. Let me show you a couple of other things here. Let's go back to, let me show you reports. Here you can change, you can do reports and you can share this so I can actually copy this URL and give it to you and you can view it. So if I open this up, it's gonna look like this. This is a URL, a link that you can send to people and you can adjust and change the pictures. That's just the Google Street View. But it shows all of the, the information here about the property, the map, property analysis. If you had an atomized breakdown of the rehab costs, Matt, this would help you guys sell your turnkey deals. This is really, really no, cool. I like this. It's it's what I teach anyway, but it's all. Yeah. Uh, so here's the cash flow analysis. If you had expenses and income, you could break those down here. Your returns, projections, all of this fancy stuff. All right. Then here are the sales comps. And here it shows only the ones you wanted it to show. And here are the rental comps based on a map, which is super cool. You can show that. You guys, your private investors are going to love to see this and your buyers if you're selling these deals. And you can edit the additional information here. You can edit your logo and your uh, property here. You can also download this as a PDF. Let me let me show you what that looks like. So you can uh, do a one-page report or a complete report. And I'll just show you what it looks like here. You can even hide the address on the PDF report. Again, you can change the photo. That's just, I didn't do that yet. But it gives a summary, your, your company information, property description maps. Here's your purchase analysis. Mm -hmm. Super cool. All of the information, cash flow statement, buy and hold projections. So these are the numbers. I don't know if you can see that very well, but it's all the numbers are there. That's That's, and the cool thing about this is it takes into a factor the tax benefits and deductions, which is huge. It shows you the operating expenses, the loan interest, and the depreciation. These are deductibles. You can deduct 11 grand from your taxes on this, from your taxable income for just this one property. You can see how it accumulates your equity. And then the comps are listed on one page like that. And your rental comps are listed on one page. And it looks like it did a decent job, you know, doing, I didn't spend any time looking at the square footage, but they're all kind of similar. And recent, recent solds. Yep. Okay. And then your analysis, it shows you whether it fails or passes these rules that you've set up, which is pretty cool. And then it has all of the photos. So this is a 14 page PDF that you can send to your buyers and you can add your notes. All right. So let's, I wanted to show something here. I hope real this quickly, real quickly, Joe, let me just kind of touch on a couple of things there. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this. It, it actually is very much in congruence with what I teach. The second thing though, 
is I would anyone that is looking, oh my gosh, this is going to make it so easy. I'm just going to do this. I'd ask, I'd ask you to, to kind of restrain from trying to lean on the technology and the fun little reports and stuff like that and really understand what you're offering and get somewhat of a an agreement before you'd even share anything like this. Yeah. Right. So if you can say, this is the deal I got and this is this is how much I need. This is how much you're going to get back. This is when you'll get it back. And then if all things go south, this is how you're protected. Does this sound like something you want to move forward with? Like go for a close or a subtle soft close, some sort of agreement before you even start going down this rabbit hole. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in hour long meetings explaining every single little number to someone that has no intention of getting involved with this in the first place. Yeah, that's really good. It, It happens all the time. All of a sudden, you just wasted a whole hour at, at Starbucks presenting to somebody that was just interested and said, thanks, but no thanks, or I'll think about it. And you're just like, you could have got that answer so much sooner up front. Okay. Mm-hmm. Second yeah. question over here, because I know we're running out of time and people are starting to sign off. So I want to answer this question here really quickly, because it's an important one there. When is asking for private money illegal? I heard it can be illegal to ask. Wow. And I think that's important for us to cover at least before we sign off. There's two ways that that you can get in trouble asking for private money. One is if you're out advertising a return on investment. You can't advertise a return on investment, not without um, an actual uh, SEC compliance and having a fund in place. And even then that goes down a deep rabbit hole. But then the second one is asking for money on the very first time you met somebody. There has to be a relationship in place. So I'm, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up now is because that's what inspired me to do it the way that I'm doing it. For all the, the different psychological reasons that we went over as well, you don't want to look like you're, you're going to pounce on them and, and you only want money from them. But when you ask, would it make sense for me to give you a call back when a deal like this comes up? Now, all of a sudden, that's your second meeting. A lot of people got in trouble. I know there's a there's one company got in trouble. They would do seminars. Just um, they would I don't know how to raise private money or similar, very similar like like that. But so they'd bring all these people through a meetup.com website and they'd have, you know, 25, 50 people in for a dinner presentation and they'd ask for money right there. And you can get in a lot of trouble doing that. So you can go ahead and hold those types of events. But if anyone wants to discuss it, he said, you know what, this is probably not the best time to do that. If you if it makes sense for us to get together later, I'd be happy to have that appointment with you then. That way, it's technically per the law is a second meeting and you can. um, So that's the area that you get to play in. Okay. All right, Joe. So I'm, I don't have anything lined up, so I can keep on going. I just wanted to. Well, yeah, I, I should get going too. I was just trying to play with this to see if I did principal only payments. And so I set this up where we're doing 20% down, 0% interest over 16 years. So I figured if we're paying 425 a month, I need to play with these numbers because it doesn't sound right. I'm not doing something right. Okay. That would be principal only payments, right? Then I figured for my operating expenses, I itemized it. There's taxes per year insurance property management, maintenance, capital expenditures. Maybe those are a little high. We could do 8%, 8%, 8%, landscaping, zero. I figured I added in a new one for private investor payments. So if if we borrowed 35 grand times 0.08 divided by 12, that's about $233 a month in in, in, uh, interest-only payments to that private investor. So my total expenses would be 547 per month. That's going to make me negative cash flow here. If I'm so, what do you do? Maybe you um, you make principal only payments over 25 years. But okay, it's negative cash flow. But again, look at the analysis here of your equity buildup. Look at this equity accumulation. Boom. Exactly. This is where the this is where it's at. Your loan to value ratio at year two is 70, percent and then by year 10, it's 35. percent 
So your return on equity. It should drop. Yeah. Maybe I'm doing this wrong. No, it does drop. You're good. Am I good? Yep. Because if your equity gets bigger and if the rent uh, yeah, isn't yeah. building as fast, then yeah, it would get smaller and smaller. This is what would now build the case for refinancing to keep that that return on equity higher, pull the money out and go buy another piece of real estate. Yeah. So, you, But see this equity building up. Yep. Um, that's That's where the real power in this is. So you may be negative cash flow for a few months, but look at it in terms of like you're just investing that um, whatever it was, the negative cash flow of 80 for 50 bucks a month. That's like putting that money into a uh, 401k or a uh, investment account. I use acorns to invest money in the stock market, you know, and I put a lot more than $50 a month into acorns into the stock market. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but the returns that I'm getting from acorns is not anywhere near what I'm getting with the real estate deals. All right. So something to play with, check it out. If you're interested, it's um, joemccall.com slash deal check. If you're interested in that software, it's 10 to 20 bucks a month, depending on the level that you get. It's pretty cool. So anyway, glad you got, did we get enough questions? We want to add. There's two more here that I want to go ahead and get those. Yeah. yeah. This one. Okay. Some of these owners have realtors to sell their property. How does one talk to the owners? Well, essentially you're probably not going to. Yeah. And if you happen to, and the agent discovers it, they're probably going to throw salt on your game there and uh, dissuade them. So what you do is if properties are represented by realtors, you need to coach your realtor up and maybe even role play on how they're supposed to talk to the other realtor to present these. So with these seller finance deals, the ones that are the typical scenario that we will we go for here in Vegas are properties that have been on the market that are owned free and clear and have been on the market longer than 60 days. Because having been a realtor, I know a realtor's pain is having a listing that just won't sell, particularly in a market like this that's so hot. Like obviously there's something wrong with the property or they're doing something wrong and they're probably getting beat up by the seller and they're watching all of their associates sell their properties left and right with multiple offers. So they're getting annoyed and frustrated in this type of environment for sure. But typically they're always annoyed if it takes too long. So once you understand that pain, you have to coach your real estate agent to talk to their real estate agent. Hey, I know you've got this property. We've been sitting on it for 60 days. And wow, what, what a crazy market we're in. So I have an offer for you from a buyer. It's a real buyer and it will close and it's full price, but it's probably not what you're hoping for, but it's real and it will close. So if I sent this over, would your seller be open to some money now and some money later? And I'll get them full price. And so you have to kind of let the market beat them up a little bit before a lot of your public properties are going to be open to these types of offers. So it's really has the agent has to talk to the agent, Tyrone. That's how it has to work. Well, it's important too to get the owner, get the agent on your team. Totally. And it's so easy to do that. Just my call yesterday on my, and you can see it on my YouTube channel. I called this realtor yesterday. I told her, I said, listen, by the way, I don't have anybody representing me right now. And I was honest with her too. I said, I'm in St. Louis. I'm looking to buy some more deals in Detroit. I didn't pretend to be like I knew anything about the neighborhood. Right. Like the, sometimes the more ignorance you can show them, the better, because then they're going to be more helpful. But anyway, I said, I don't know anything about this area. It looks like a nice neighborhood, but I don't have anybody representing me. If you represent me and make my offer for me, you can get both sides of the commission. And all of a sudden she went from this like kind of defensive, oh, you're the fifth realtor who's called me today to like, oh, really nice. Okay. And she was much more open to tell me about the situation, what was going on. And she was more open to bring me other deals, which is why I love contacting the realtor strategy. Yeah. You always got to focus on what's in it for the other person. And when a property is listed by a real estate agent, you have to focus on what's in it for them just as much as you're focusing on what's in it for the seller. Yeah. Cool. Do you get get bank statements? 
to, I don't know if this is, can you see this? There you go. Yeah. Sorry. Do you get bank statements before signing the sub two? Yep. Uh, yeah. You want to just make sure the loan is current. Yep. And um, you want to do it. You want to make sure that you're having uh, the authorization to release information signed by the seller so you can speak to the bank directly. And you want to get those bank statements directly from the bank. You don't want the uh, seller to pass those on to you and uh, you just take their word for it. You want to get it straight yeah. from the bank before you take on that obligation. Yeah. And Matt has a really good video on how to raise private money. To keep, And you, this is an important topic to understand. You want to make sure you do it the right way and you stay out of trouble because you can get in trouble with the SEC if you are soliciting, but there's a right way to do it and you make them come to you, right? You need to have a relationship with them. Watch Matt's videos. He talks a lot about that, does a really good job. Okay, so that's it. I think we're good. That was fun, Matt. Yeah, totally. Never know where it's gonna go. It's always an adventure. It's always fun doing it with you, Joe, so. Who needs pace anyway? Right? He's filming filming his, you know, dumb A&E TV show. He's he's gone Hollywood on everybody and- uh, Nobody watches A&E anyway. (laughs) No, I'm sure it's gonna be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Matt, you gotta come to St. Louis soon and let's play some golf. I think that's a good idea. I see you're ready to hit the links right about now. Oh man, I'm leaving here in a few minutes, so I gotta go. Uh, I'm on my way to a closing to close a deal. We're making big fat check on this thing. I'm excited about it, so. Yeah, there's a lot of good things. It's a great time to be in this market, guys. Um, if you're on the fence thinking, oh man, did I? If is, is it too competitive? Is it too hard to do deals right now? Um, I've heard it's white, white hot and I can't find enough leads. It's a great time to be in this market right now. There are still lots of deals out there, especially when you understand creative financing. So go get watch Matt's YouTube channel, check out mine, and uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Thanks again, Matt. Bye-bye, everybody.